Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club, a show where I tell a guest a mystery story and they try to guess the solution. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined by my boyfriend, Michael Borello. Hi, Michael. Hello. So today, this is this is week three of February, where I am interviewing couples in celebration of Valentine's Day. And so today, instead of interviewing another couple, I'm I'm doing myself and Michael. And so how how this is going to work is friend of the pod Charlotte Martin has read a short story, and she uh, put sticky notes all over the solution so that I couldn't read it. So I've now read the read the story up until the solution. And I'm going to tell Michael the story, and then we'll both try and and solve it together. Yeah, it should be fun. So the story we're doing today is called The Mahogany Wardrobe, and it's by John H. Dirks, D-I-R-C-K-X. So I've never heard of this author before, uh, but it comes from the short story collection More Murder, Most Cozy, from the More Mysteries in the Classic Tradition. So uh, there's, it's full of, full of uh, several mystery authors. Um, ready to get started, Michael? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Maybe I'll get it right this time. I have, I'm, so I've already started like coming up with guesses because now I've read the story and I'm telling it, but I, I don't feel confident in any of them. So I'm hoping <laughs> Michael picks up on something I haven't. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So the story starts, we're kind of getting introduced to the, some of the characters, and the story is told from the perspective of this woman who owns like a boarding house. And so what's happened is uh, they had no kids, I don't think, and her husband passed away. And so when he did, she turned her house into a boarding house for girls or y- young women uh, who came to, I think they live in a bigger, it's kind of a slightly bigger city in the surrounding area. And so when girls come to find a job, they would be able to stay, like it's a rooming house they could have a room and they would be they would pay for the room and to have meals cooked for them by mm-hmm. they have a hired cook and maid. Right. So uh it's it's this one afternoon or it says a foggy night in April when this this girl Alice Weldon comes to the door and she's looking for a room and they kind of don't really have enough space for her in their main bedrooms, but they, there is a, there's a bed in the studio, which is one of the front rooms. This house used to be owned by like a painter. Okay. So he used the, the studio room for, for doing his art. So it's, it's, um, it's a front room on the ground floor. So there'd be a lot more noise from traffic. So that's right. why they normally don't give it to, they don't use it as a bedroom, but it was, uh, they used it to store furniture. So there was a lot of old furniture in there, including a bed. So she has the maid, Doris, make up the bed in the studio, and Alice starts to kind of get to know uh, some of the, all the, the rest of the girls around the house. So they're all sitting in the, what is the sitting room slash dining room. They put a table in when they eat and take it out for okay. activities in the evening. So we've met Alice Weldon, this new new woman. Uh, we've met Doris, the maid, and then Jessie Fraser is the cook. Okay. The maid did it. <laughs> Okay. You heard it here here first, folks. So, yeah, I have all the clues I need. <laughs> I'm still stumped, so I'm glad you figured it out. Wait, so the woman who owns this boarding house. Yeah. Uh her she doesn't have any family? Uh no, that's okay. So let, let me let me introduce you to some of the other characters. So though this woman, her husband's died. I don't think she has kids. 
Uh, and it sounds like her sister, like her sister and husband have died, but she does have a nephew, Albert, who lives above their garage. So they have like a, it would be like a, like a chauffeur's apartment type thing above the garage. They don't have a car, but he uses that as like a, his room. And okay. then he might, um, might come in for meals. He comes in for dinner, I think. Okay. And so he's been there for about six months. And so her rooming house is like super popular. What's the nephew's name? Albert. Albert. So this rooming house is like super popular. And uh, so that's how this girl Alice had found out about it. It's a friend of hers that recommended her to right. it. So she has come. And so it's it's full. I think there's six girls in total. Uh, but maybe we'll get more introduced to them. I'll get to them later. Uh, one of the one of the main ones that kind of comes up in this first part is Jan, who works at the blanket. They call it it's like the wool factory. Like they call it the blanket factory, the wool works. Okay. And Jan already has a job there, so Alice. That is where Alice had been hoping to get a job. So Jan says, "Come with me. I'll I'll put in a good word for you. I'll introduce you. Maybe you can work. I work in the mail room. Maybe you can work with me." Okay. So that was uh that was Jan J A N. Yeah. So the, the the main woman, the woman who's, we haven't gotten her name yet, so I it will come up later in the story and I'll tell it to you, but she, the, the owner of the house, she's up early the next morning and kind of, you know, busily doing work. All the girls are kind of getting up, having breakfast. Everyone's like getting ready to go out to work. She's kind of saying the mornings are normally busy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot. I forgot one thing that I thought was important, or it's kind of like two things that are going to come up. So... This the studio room hadn't been slept in a while, so they air out the room by opening the window, and then it but it got kind of cold. So Jessie lent Alice her fleece nightgown, or or robe or something to sleep in because it was kind of cold in the room. Uh, okay. So the the owner of the house is up the next morning. Everyone's kind of busy, busy moving around, getting stuff done, and. They, she's surprised to find that Alice isn't up with the rest of the girls. She doesn't seem to be going out. And so she sends Doris to go wake her up because she had told everyone that before she would be up to go to work with Jan. And Doris comes back and says, I can't find her. I can't find Alice anywhere. Anywhere. She's not in her room. Mm-hmm. And this kind of makes... Oh, it's Mrs. Bry- Byers. B-Y-E-R-S. That's the name of the owner of the house. Byers? Byers. Okay. So Mrs. Ba- she tells Doris tells Mrs. Byers, I can't find Alice. And it makes her kind of remember that when she had been coming down the stairs in the morning, she thought she had seen like a piece of wrapping paper in the in the garden outside. And it kind of clicks in her mind and she runs out the back door and finds Alice, Alice collapsed with a huge gash on her neck, bleeding. Right. And so I think... Uh, Who is this? Mrs. Byers. Okay. Runs out. And so maybe Jessie comes out as well, the cook. And she feels for a pulse and sees that she this the girl's still alive but barely breathing. So they go call the doctor, who I think lives around the corner and had just about to, he was about to be heading out on his morning rounds but hadn't left yet. So he's able to come within minutes. So that's Doctor Melton. Okay. And uh, so Doctor Melton gets there. They've also called the ambulance, and he basically gets there and says he can still feel he can still feel the, for the pulse, but there's not much left to do. Like, she's still alive, but she's she's dying. And by the time the ambulance gets there, he says, there's nothing they can do anymore. She's dead. Right. So that's that's super sad. What was the wrapping paper thing? I missed that. Uh, when Mrs. Byers had come down the stairs, she thought that a piece of wrapping paper had blown into the yard, and it ends up being Alice's body. Oh, I Because it was just, like, out of the corner of her eye. She saw see, something, but didn't pay attention to it. So it's... And she's wearing Jessie's nightgown. Right. Her nightdress. 
Oh, does that mean somebody was trying to kill the cook? There's a. They ask that later. They do mm. get into that. Michael's suspicious. Was that a question for me? Yeah. What'd you say? I forget. You asked if I was suspicious. Oh, you you knew. Why did you ask me again? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I thought it was a rhetorical question. <laughs> so this doctor just shows up and goes, "Oh yeah, she's gonna die." Oops, can't do anything about it. Yeah, a little weird. Like, you'd think he'd start, like, uh, CPR or Trying something. to do anything. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, I'm suspicious of the doctor. I want to hold on to that Hold on to that thought, though. Because he kind of falls out of the story for a bit. But he does come back at the very end. So, keep an eye on him. Yeah, it's pretty sus. This isn't normally how I tell the story, but because I, I'm trying to solve it as well, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm pulling in other information. So, so the, of course the police are called and they start, they're, they're searching and asking questions of everybody. And, uh, Mrs. Byers gives, gives them the suitcase and kind of the, the, what limited possessions this girl has. And also says that from the conversations they had had the night before, she'd gathered that Alice was an orphan, mm-hmm. but had lived with her aunt and uncle who are the Pattersons. And this is the Mrs. Byers talking to the police. The police? Yeah. The other thing that Mrs. Byers says that's interesting is she's thinking this in her head. The policemen have been poking around, like, the the backyard, the back alley. Like, they're trying to find the weapon that was used. And so they've been looking through the garage, and she's relieved that they hadn't noticed the apartment above the garage where Albert, her nephew, stayed. So that's interesting. We're kind of, we're going to find out why, why did she not want them to notice that. Who's this? Mrs. Byers is happy that the police didn't go into Albert's like search Albert's room above the garage. It seems they didn't notice it. Right. I'm I, sorry, I missed another thing. Um, you were saying that Mrs. Byers was talking to the police and said that Alice was an orphan and something else? Lived with her aunt and uncle, the Pattersons. Oh. So then another kind of thing to note, I'm not, again, I don't know the solution, so I'm not sure how this fits in. Normally I read the solution, so I'm kind of only talking about the necessary points. Mm-hmm. But there's this girl, one of the girls is... Polly and she's been she had scarlet fever yep and so had to be like was on bed rest and so was that had been in the hospital but is now at home and uh so she she was the only girl sleep also sleeping on the first floor she'd been in one of those rooms because she couldn't do the stairs and so they had moved the the bedroom into like the parlor or something like that I see so she's down there and so she's Mrs. Byers, after the police are gone, gets rid- tells all the girls they had to go to work. That kind of gets them out of the house, which she's kind of saying, except for Polly. And it's also partly the doctor, Dr. Melton, or whatever his name was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in the house, and like he's been in the house before in the, la- in the last couple of weeks. Uh, he's been taking care of Polly. Right. So once everyone's gone and the police are gone and all of that, Mrs. Byers takes her key to Arthur's apartment. Oh, did I call him Albert? Yeah. Oops. His name's Arthur, everybody. Not Albert. <laughs> Oops. My bad. Okay, so everyone's gone, and now Arthur. Uh, Mrs. Byers heads up to Arthur's apartment above the garage, and she's... We're not sure what she's doing, like, almost like she wants to make her own search, and then it turns out she sees... She finds what she's looking for. It's a Prussian bayonet. Oh, yeah. A German bayonet. That's what they call Germans, Prussians. I don't really understand that. Is that a common thing? Maybe it's... I don't know. They find a German... She She's looking for this Germ, German bayonet that Arthur had often 
had brought home from the war, I think, or something. Right. And it's very sharp. And so she takes it with a with a piece of newspaper and brings it into the house. And it turns out in the so it's called the mahogany wardrobe. In Alice's room, or quote of the studio, mm-hmm. there's this old wardrobe that had come with the house, I believe. And her husband had discovered when he was still alive a secret compartment at the bottom of the oh, of the wardrobe. By, and you press two points. And so she presses those two points and then puts the bayonet in there. And so there's this idea that she's trying to make sure Albert doesn't come under unnecessary questioning. Right. So she's like protecting him from... She doesn't want the police to find this thing and then think he did it. Right. So the next thing that happens is the homicide detective arrives. And his name is Inspector Franklin. And she invites him into the the parlor room, which is the front room kind of beside the studio. And it's a small room. And he starts to kind of question her a little bit about anything she knows. Right. So she admits... Or not admits. She says, uh, he kind of asks her, did the girl say anything when you found her unconscious? Uh, to which she, no, Alice was, was unconscious. She was comatose, didn't, didn't hear anything. And she, he's asking about her condition when he, she had found her. And just kind of nothing there. And any of this, like, it's nothing we don't really already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question that he's kind of, like, getting to is... None of, there's no sign of forced entry. None of the doors were, I don't know, I don't think any, either of the doors were unlocked. Right, but the window is open. But it had been closed. Yeah, so that's why I brought it up, is because the window was open before, and then they closed the window window once it had been aired out. Right. Who closed it? Maybe they didn't lock it or something. Uh, I think the idea is that no, everything's locked. Okay. So everything was locked even when they came into the house in the morning, when the police were checking around. And so that's weird. So, so they're either saying uh, Alice had been left at the house willingly or had known her intruder, like that kind of thing. Maybe she let him into the house. Right. So that's, they're just, they're weirded out by that. But Alice didn't have shoes on. So why would she go outside without shoes? Yeah. And is she still in her nightdress? So this is where the question of did, was, was someone trying after Jessie? Because she was wearing Jessie's nightgown. And this, Mrs. Byer says, well, only people in the house would know what Jesse wore. Right. So, and the, the inspector goes, exactly. So they're all on this kind of the same train of thought there. So then the uh, inspector Franklin asks, who has keys to the house? So it's, uh, and Mrs. Byer says, well, everyone, all the occupants and Albert, including the maid and the cook who sleep here. So a lot of keys floating around. And this is when he, uh, the inspector kind of like pounces on Arthur and so he wants to talk to Arthur, the nephew, nephew and find out more about him. Right. And so then we go through the occupants of the house. And so I don't think, I can't imagine these people are too important because they don't really get mentioned. I think, I think all the people I've told you about are really the important characters. Right. And then everyone else in the, the within the house, like the other girls are just kind of extras. So I'm not going to name them or kind of go into their... And uh, maybe I should, because I don't know what the solution is. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we can go through it. Okay, so... It's just quickly. So there's Iris Crane and Mary Dougherty, which are cousins. And they're both elementary, elementary school teachers. Then there's a girl called Beverly Lamb. And she's, I think, well off mm-hmm. and going to art school. And so, like, particularly focused on, like, finding a husband. 
Right. And uh, but also like wanting to impress them, so it never brings them to the house because apparently this is a bad side of town or like not the rich part. Mm-hmm. And then there's Gussie, Gussie Warren, who works at a German bakery and supports her mother and younger brother. And then there's Jan, Janet Talbot, who works at the blanket factory. Polly also works at the blanket factory in a different division, but isn't working right now because of her illness. And then Doris and Jessie have both worked there for like four or more years. So she's not, uh, the other girls have maybe been there within, like have arrived within the year of various months because it's a rooming house. So it's not necessarily something where you'd stay there forever. Although some of these girls, she kind of says, might be here for years to come, theoretically. The other thing is that apparently Alice, the way Alice Weldon was killed was a very similar way that soldiers are taught to kill at close hand. So the inspector is suggesting that because, what's his name again? Arthur. Arthur, Because Arthur has, was a soldier in the past, he would be familiar with this way of killing. So at this point, uh, the inspector asks to look at the studio. So he goes in and kind of looks through it. And uh, Mrs. Byers throughout this is nervous because she knows that a possible weapon is in in the wardrobe that they're both looking at. And then she also says, I often think of that scene, Inspector Franklin leaning against the mahogany wardrobe, I peevishly refusing to meet his gaze, and neither us suspecting that the solution to the mystery of Alice's death was there in the room with us. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important for some reason. Clearly, clearly we're overlooking something. Yeah, I feel like she also suspects that it was Arthur, but... Doesn't want to accuse uh, him. Yeah, right? okay. So to me, here's what I thought happened, or here's what I'm thinking at this point in the story, is some that window was open beforehand and no one was in the studio room. Someone could have just climbed in through the window and hidden in that room if there's a bunch of extra furniture in there. Yeah. And then waited for, I don't know, everyone to go to sleep and then, I don't know, attack Alice. I don't know why they wanted, like, I don't understand the why you'd want to kill anyone. There's no motivation, and then there's also, like, she was outside without shoes. Like, she clearly wandered outside for some reason. Yeah. Unless they... Or was or was chased outside. Or was chased outside. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, exactly. Kind of, like, unsure at this point. There's more to the story, so we can keep going. Okay. So Arthur gets home earlier than normal because he had heard on the radio about what had happened. Mm-hmm. And so he had come home. And so the inspector, of course, wants to, to interview them, interview him. So so Arthur and the inspector step out to go to the garage. And so Mrs. Byers realizes she can't go with them, so she stays inside. So, But she kind of watches them and is maybe a little bit worried. So after um, that evening... Dr. Melton had come to uh, check on Polly and had had a long interview with Jesse in the kitchen. So they had sat talking for a while and Mrs. Byers finally on like the third cup of coffee had go in to see what they were talking about. And they're kind of talking about their opinions. Oh, and, and Dr. Melton says it's probably all right for Polly to be moved up to the second floor. And they're all kind of agreeing, yeah, I wouldn't want to sleep alone on the second floor or on the first floor right. with, with this having happened. So uh, I think... Dr. Melton is asking Mrs. Byers what the inspector is thinking, and she says, I don't know, I'm not in, in his confidence. He, I think there's some talk about, like, the girl was alive when he had found her, 
And he's saying she based, she didn't die from that wound. She died from exposure. She was outside in the cold for hours until she was found. Mm. Like they're not, they, I, I think maybe they thought she, I don't know when they think she died, but she had been there for a while before being found. And so they think it's more that she'd been unconscious in the cold for so long. <sighs> and the wound. She had also had blood, blood loss. Right. But it sounds like it's not like her throat was slit or something. No, she didn't. She didn't. She was still alive, so she did not die from a slit throat. Right. But she had a bad wound on her throat that didn't kill her right away. Right. But on top of on top of that, she was in like probably died of exposure plus the cut. Right. So you think somebody snuck into her room while the window was open, stabbed her in her sleep, and then she ran outside, and they just like. No, because they didn't find any blood in the room, so she has to have been cut while she was outside, I think. Sounds like they really want you to suspect Arthur. Yeah, definitely. They're definitely pushing that on you, I feel like. It was still the maid. It was still the maid. Okay. Imagine. So, the next day, Alice's aunt and uncle come, and they're basically just say that Mrs. Byers is a terrible person, this is a terrible establishment, how could they let their niece get killed... But also, it sounds like the aunt wanted her to be, like, a cash cow. Like, just wanted her. Like, didn't really love her. Just wanted her, like, to use Pay her. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So, they don't sound like great people. So, but they're they're not really in the story. They just kind of pop in there. And over the next few weeks, they just get all of these gawkers coming by to look at the house. And they're constantly bombarded by reporters and all that kind of thing. So, right. it's, it's pretty terrible. The inquest happens. Uh, but there's nothing new learned at the inquest. And uh, after, after the inquest, finally, it seems like things are kind of going back to normal to a degree. It's the, like kind of the first, first night where Polly's able to come to the dinner table and uh, they're able to have kind of like nice conversation and things kind of feel like they did before Alice had arrived. Right. So people are kind of, you know, kind of going back to normal. Yeah. And Mrs. Byer said it was that evening that she had heard, overheard a conversation between Arthur and Jesse, the cook. And it... It had kind of been interesting. Sorry, who, who overheard that? Mrs. Byers. Yeah. Our narrator. And so it's something, it was basically Arthur asking Jesse, who else has keys to my apartment? Mm. And so asking about that. And there's a possibility there had been a couple that lived in the, that apartment three years ago. They don't think they still have keys. And those, that couple never had keys to the house. Right. So that's the other thing he's asking is like, could anyone else have a key to the house? And so it's the only there's only two people that have keys to the garage apartment, Mrs. Byers and Arthur. Right. The two of them. So there's kind of talk about like should they be changing the locks on the house in case that in case someone does have a key. And Arthur doesn't think someone broke in, because that's kind of how the police are indicating things. So he's telling Jesse about that. Maybe he's just looking for his bayonet. That's kind of what I'm thinking, is does he think someone broke into his room and stole his Stole his um, bayonet, bayonet, and then or did whatever. the murder. Yeah, does and so yeah, is Arthur suspecting that? Because I don't think Mrs. Byers ever confide, confided in him of what she had done. Right, right. So about a week, a week later, it says a week to the day after the murder, Inspector Franklin comes by again for another interview, and this time she invites him into the the um, sitting room. So like the where they have eat meals and offers him a cup of coffee she has jesse put on a pot and so clearly being a little more open with her house to the inspector right this is buyers yeah and 
there's there's some weird back and forth between the two of them because the inspector doesn't really want to talk, but clearly he's come there for an interview. So he wants something from her, but he's not giving in right away. And then he tells, he asks Mrs. Byers, did you know that Jesse had come to make a statement to the police? And so that's interesting. So the cook had gone to tell the police that she had noticed things moving around the house while they were sleeping, like things where she would put them one place and they weren't there the next day or going missing. And so she'd made a statement, but hadn't told Mrs. Byers. And Inspector Franklin kind of says, like, no, don't tell her. She'll tell you in her own time. And so it's, I don't know if this is, like, actually what it is, but my kind of, like, first instinct was that uh, Jessie feels like maybe she's, it's not true, and so doesn't want to tell, like, doesn't want to worry Mrs. Byers unnecessarily. Hmm. But it could be, maybe she suspects Mrs. Byers and so wants to go straight to the police or something. That's kind of, yeah. So what was, what did the police say? Don't tell Byers that she said that to the police? Is that what? Inspector Franklin tells Mrs. Byers what Jesse, that Jesse had made a statement. But not to tell Jesse that she knows. Yeah, Mrs. Byers goes to like call in Jesse into the room and Mm -hmm. Inspector Franklin goes, no, 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 don't tell her you know. So, so he also, he suggests that she change the locks. So that day they get the locks changed and they get deadbolts put on the doors and uh, I think before he leaves, he's he go, he's rummaging around in the studio for quite some time and is also in the basement rummaging around. Right. So she says that night she fell asleep better than she ever has before, I think because of the new locks. But she wakes in total darkness or kind of like half awakes. And it's a little bit weird that she's about to go back to sleep when she notices that their cat is curled up on the bed at her feet. Right. Not abnormal, except that she had let the cat outside before locking up Mm. and she was the last person to lock up. So how did the cat get back into the house? Right. So this freaks her out. Of course she's, she's terrified. So she doesn't want to wink anyone, but she also doesn't want anyone to know she's awake. And so she gets, she has a flashlight in her bedside table and she goes back, she goes downstairs via the back stairwell because it doesn't open on to more of the house. So no one will see the flashlight Mm -hmm. and she gets down to the the ground floor it kind of feels like there's a draft in the in the sitting room and so she goes to the window or she goes out into the kitchen to kind of check the back door to see if it's open and if it's it's not open but in the kitchen she sees jesse fraser slumped over and she knows she doesn't need to call the doctor she needs to call the police oh so jesse's dead damn it can still be the maid though michael just can't be the cook it's a maid. <laughs> so there's obviously some entrance into the house. There must be. Right. Yeah, there's got to be some, either that or yes, no one can have a key, and there's deadbolts, and the deadbolts were still fastened. So then maybe wh- or there's someone killed, living in the house. Whoever killed Alice was actually trying to kill Jesse because they're wearing the or Jesse knew something. Yeah, or that. I, I don't understand the motive behind these these killings at all. I don't, like, I can't, for me, I can't, there's, and maybe I just forgot to tell you, but I can't tell anything. Hmm. Okay. This isn't the part where you say, so who did it? No, not yet, but we're, we're pretty much there. I, I get to give you a little bit more information. Okay. So at this point, everyone in the house gets up. Of course, there's a lot of hysteria. Um, Inspector Franklin shows up, and he's, he. And they're all like, what is going on? She's just changed the locks. Like, this shouldn't this shouldn't be a problem. Like, what about, about the bolts, all of this? 
and they realize that it's it's murder. It is murder, but it's been made to look like suicide. suicide. Yeah. So there's been there's a hypodermic syringe under the kitchen table, and it has Jessie's fingerprints on them, but they're backwards from how she would have actually had to hold the syringe. So someone's just put her hand around it afterwards. Right. So that's it's just so it's so super weird. Uh, and the, none of them have any idea. So, so the, of course, there's police everywhere, yada, 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 and the inspector calls Mrs. Byer into the studio, and he shows her something of the window by the fireplace that's, op- I guess, opens up to the front, and he shows her that if you, I think, click, like, certain points, the whole wall swings open. Oh, my God. So it looks like... Who found the, the secret door? Inspector thing? Franklin. Okay. And so it's, it's, it looks like the end... Okay, sorry. Let me clap myself. So, Inspector Franklin's showing her it's the whole wall that opens up, and it makes sense to Mrs. Byers because that wardrobe, the one that's in the studio, they had always the someone had come to like been in the house before and had basically told her the wardrobe must have been built in the house because it's too big to fit through the door. And so now it makes sense. This is this was an artist studio. That's how you would have got big canvases in and out of the house. Oh, was they had this thing? This this. So it was a secret door, but at the same time, it was also just used as, like, this big way to get things out, in and out. Right. So it's not toothless. It's just someone must know about this and is, has been using it to get in and out of the house. Mm-hmm. And so is it just, just since Alice, or has someone been using this all along? So the inspector has carpenters come to, like, board up this window so that no one it can't, can't be used anymore. Right. And so theoretically... Like, they should, this should be the end of it. But Mrs. Byers is feeling real guilty about this bayonet because also she's now checked in the wardrobe and the bayonet and her papers that had been in there are missing. Of course. So somebody knew. Someone knew about it. Or someone, my thought was someone was in the room when she put the bayonet in there and seen her. Yeah. Uh, the, you also said that the inspector went rummaging through, so maybe he found maybe it. Maybe he found it. Yeah, that's possible. So then. Once she discovers that, Mrs. Byers is kind of like, she feels she needs to tell someone. So she's not sure if she should tell Albert that she took the bayonet and see what he thinks, or if she should just go right to the inspector and tell him. And so she decides on kind of like a neutral party and goes to tell Dr. Merton. Mm. And so he, he, he basically tells her, I think you should make a clean breast of it. Tomorrow you should go in and tell Inspector Franklin that you have it and just it's better off for just him to know. And if you really don't think Albert did it and you're just trying to protect him from this, like you, you just, you have to tell him. He also suggests that she has Albert come and sleep in the house for tonight. Why? Or not Albert, sorry, Arthur. I I think it's because Arthur, I don't think either of them suspect Arthur and they're like, Arthur can protect you. Like have, have a man in the house just in case. Okay. So that night, she isn't sleeping well. She's tossing and turning. It's like 2 a.m. when she hears a noise. And she's trying to resist the urge from just, like, going into her room or hiding her head under a pillar pillow. But she slips out of bed, gets her flashlight, and goes into kind of turns out into the hall. And she kind of calls out, is that you, Arthur? And she had meant her voice to carry only to the stairs. And at that point... Friend of the pod, Charlotte, has put a sticky note over the last sentence and said redacted. So the next few pages are the solution. She's dead. It's a maid. <laughs> Who's dead? The maid? Byers is dead. Byers is dead. She gets shot. 
and it's the maid because the maid cleans everything and knows that the the wall is there and knows about the secret compartment. Why would the, why would it matter if the maid knew that that she doesn't need the sec- she doesn't need that door, the wall thing? What do like you mean? to me, it has to be to me. It's the doctor because it has to be someone who would actually need not need a key, or you know, like not sorry, it's someone who doesn't have a key and needs to get into the house. Maybe, but like. If somebody's there and they know that they're changing all the locks or something, that they know they... I don't know. Like, either either that door thing is a red herring and doesn't matter at all because it's someone in the house or Albert who has... A, not Albert. I will be very or, annoyed if I that's keep the calling answer. Albert or it's Arthur. Or it has to be someone who's outside the house, right? And the only person outside the house is Dr. Merton. What about the couple that lived there like three years ago or something? Maybe they knew about it. That's if if this story is like any detective story, they don't fight. They f- come into the story for two sentences. They don't count. Like it has to be someone who shows up more than once, more than once for a pa- paragraph. Unless this Wh- which isn't is, like which is basically it means Byers, yeah. Arthur, yeah, uh, the doctor or Pauline. Those are the only four people that come up. Polly times. and the the maid does Pauline. come up more times. I just didn't think she was important, so I didn't mention it. It's the much. inspector. Or it's the inspector. It's an inside job. <sighs> I know, that's what I mean. The they other... really just didn't like Alice. Well, the other thing, too, is after the second murder, a bunch of the girls leave. They get out of there. No way. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, did the rent get cheaper? No, I don't think so. Right? Okay, yeah. So, why? So, this is where it's like, what's the motive? Like, were they really trying to kill Jesse and by accident killed Alice? Or... What about uh, Jan? Do you think it's her? No, but like... I guess she's kind of in the story a little more because she offers the girl the job, kind of. Dude, I don't know. I don't know. She's competing for the job. (laughs) No, she wasn't going to... I think she was saying we have lots of open positions. Mm. I don't think think the job is an issue. The problem is there's no motivation. Like, why would this doctor want to kill some no. random orphan who's trying to get a job? Exactly. To me, to me, there's no way we could possibly know what the motive is. No, it's going to be, gonna be like, oh, her, like 55 years ago, her grandparents killed the doctor's father or something, and now it's revenge. Or he's just like, you know, he's just lost his mind. That's possible. And he's a, it's a doctor. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. He, the doctor's been sneaking to the ha- this house every night because he's like a creepy pervert who likes to watch women sleep. And so he doesn't know that Alice is being given this this bedroom in on the first floor. And uh, so he comes, in, comes into the room and Alice wakes up and is like, what the heck? And for some reason doesn't scream. And then he either maybe drags her outside through back, back through that window thing. That way she wouldn't scream. He like, he like covers her mouth and drags her out through the window and then slits her throat and thinks she's dead. But then he gets back there the night. They call him the next morning. And he's like, oh, no, I can't do anything. Yeah, exactly. He's like, oh, no, I can't do anything. Or even, like, holds his hand over her nose and, like, actually kills her. <laughs> you know, like, she was you already You think a doctor dead. would be able to slit somebody's throat properly. Yeah, okay, so maybe you're right. But, like, he would also... I think they say it's, they think it's a big knife. But maybe... Hmm. What about the... Okay, so maybe the bayonet has nothing to do with it. Yeah, she. Yeah, the bayonet's just like a red herring. But then the bayonet, he could totally, if he had seen, if he had known about the secret compartment, if he's the one who took it, because but the bayonet wasn't there before. It was in Arthur's. Right, right. But if he had known about that secret compartment and finds the bayonet, he could have taken it afterwards to plant. Because now he, he, like, he can put it somewhere suspicious and make it look like it's Arthur. I still don't know why. Like again, my my. And then Jesse was killed with a syringe. 
so Jessie to me must have like known too much, you know, like she knew something about it, and so uh, it was getting dangerous. Like maybe you mentioned they were having a conversation about changing the locks or something, right? I think that that was Arthur, but yes, the doctor had had a long conversation with Jessie after visiting Polly, but they were more. He was like asking Mrs. Byers like what the inspector thought. He's trying to know. He also at that point I didn't say this. You have I a forgot. very compelling argument for why it's the doctor. Okay, but. Ah, uh, but I, it bothers me because like the the one that I've guessed before, the one that I did with Charlotte, the death on the Nile, I felt so confident about my guess because everything fit in perfectly. Do you know what I mean? This one to me is like I, it doesn't feel like it fits all the like I have no idea why Alice had to die, or why he had to sneak into the house, or like why Jesse had to die. Like to me, it doesn't all fit in perfectly. <sighs> or like why she freaked out. Who's in the house? You know, like because she's she's freaked out on the stairs. So maybe it is Arthur. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, like, she's... We, we leave the story and she's currently freaked out. She's calling to someone. And it says, like, my voice was only supposed to reach the stairs. I'm worried, like, someone's going to answer her and already be in her room. Or something, like, terrifying. This is what I mean. Like, I, I, I think my theory is okay, but I don't think it fits the facts. And so it has to be something else. I don't know what that something else is. Oh, wait. The doctor also knew about the bayonet. How? Oh, oh wait a minute. She just told him, and he yeah, t- but it was missing before that. Yeah, it's missing before that. But you're right. She told him, "Look, I hid the bayonet." So he knows now, and didn't tell her go to the inspector right away. He says go to the inspector tomorrow. So you think maybe he took it and he's going to plant it back there? Something like that. I don't know, man. Okay, so what's the theory? Maybe it's her. Maybe it's Mrs. Byers. But she's narrating the whole thing, right? So that's not fair. <laughs> they can't do that. They can do that. Okay, so the theory is that it's a doctor, is what I'm understanding. I, I can't think of anything better than the theory is it's the doctor, unless you have any other thoughts. I have no other theories, but I f- feel like every book I've done, it's the maid. <laughs> I'm not gonna... I don't want to seriously guess the maid, but part of me actually does. <laughs> okay, but so what... It, <laughs> what's okay let's let's walk through it what would that so the maid is in the house so she has easy access it could just mean that door meant nothing like the door is not important it just happened to be there and is a red herring yeah the maid could have seen her put the bayonet in she was in the house at the time like that's where she works um she could have confided in jesse and that's why jesse had to die because jesse knew too much i don't see this comes back to i have no idea how anyone could have any motive i know i know it's going to be some part of the story that we don't know. Yeah. And we're going to learn the motive. That we don't understand. Okay. Do you want to end there? We'll, we'll uh, go read the solution and come back? Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, see you in a second. But for us, like, 30 minutes. Told you it was a maid. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> I mean, we could just make it whatever ending we want yeah. nobody would know yeah you guys won't know but i could do that with literally any story <laughs> hey we're logic. right it was the doctor <laughs> what was i saying all right uh, okay so I'll, I'll i'll start by i'll start by explaining the story and then michael and i will talk about our thoughts of which we have many okay so so mrs virus is just called out to be like arthur is that you and she gets a reply yeah yes aunt it's me and he basically says, I have something to show you in the base- basement. I found some old documents and photos in the furnace. No, it can't wait until the morning. And so immediately we're like, oh my gosh, it's Arthur. Are you kidding me? 
So, so he leads, or that's what I'm thinking. What were you thinking at that point? Yeah, the same. Of like, oh my god, okay. So he leads her downstairs, and then with a flashlight, he won't turn the lights on. And then they get into the basement, and he turns the flashlight off and closes the door. And so uh, Mrs. Byers is freaking out, of course. We're freaking out. We know she's going to live because she's telling this story, but still ridiculous. So so something happens, and then there's an explosion, and then Mrs. Byers wakes up in the hospital, basically. Would you describe it like that? So how, how Mrs. Byers describes it is like there's an explosion or like a big commotion an explosion and then she wakes up in the hospital yeah basically right yep and so and inspector franklin is in the room when she finally wakes up and exactly. so he starts to explain to her what's happened and he she basically says it's albert all right and he says albert died a war arthur. hero sorry thank you jesus arthur died a war hero and so we're all going what or a hero maybe just in general yeah so i was thinking that he was actually trying to just trying to show her something and protected her. And from protected the her. That's murder. what I was thinking. Yeah, so was I. No, turns out Arthur died in the war and some dude, Charles, took his place because they looked so similar. Yeah. So, okay. I have I have finished telling the stories, but I have a lot of problems. This is not a whodunit, is my opinion. <sighs> Our, Michael can disagree with me, but I I'll get to my thoughts later. Okay, so it's so basically Arthur had died in the war, Char and had told Charles, that he had a rich aunt with no kids and no husband. No next of kin, basically. No next of kin. And so Charles was like, ah, easy to exploit. Yeah. And so... So when Charles got blown up, or when Arthur got blown up, he just took his dog tags or whatever. Yeah. And was like, my name is now Arthur. Yeah. So, quote unquote, Charles died in the war. And so then he comes to stay with his aunt and spends a good portion of time trying to find their documents arthur told them that there was documents and money in the mahogany thing but then but then they say that they don't think arthur actually knew what well how does arthur know that there's a secret compartment when mrs byers said in the story she's the only person who knows about it i don't know it said that he told them about the money the compartment in the the cabinet with money and uh well he says he says that and then the inspector goes back on that and says that he actually didn't know about it or maybe he just didn't know how to open it. He didn't know how to open it because it mentioned him trying to. Yeah. I guess the rest of the story. He he ends up he has a key to the house, so he's just been going into the house, and at some point he finds that secret door, and so on the night that Alice was in the room that first night, he was trying to open the secret cabinet with his bayonet, to, like pry it open. Right. And. And so we're right in a sense had woken Alice up and then dragged her out through the secret window door and and killed her. Yep. So when Mrs. Byers had taken the bayonet, she was legitimately protecting the murderer. Not her nephew, but who she thought her nephew was. Right. Um, unwittingly. And but it also made Char- Charles had noticed that the bayonet was gone, thought the police had it, and then when they didn't do anything about it, he thought that someone else had it in the house. Like someone, right. someone knew about it. And so he thought it was Jesse. And it was from things Jesse had said about like her feeling like she'd seen people, like stuff was moving around. He thought that Jesse suspected him of not really being Albert. Right. And so. Or of the murder. Or of the murder in general. And so he got super paranoid about Jesse. And so that's why he had, he had, he had snuck into, no, he had made an arrangement for Jesse to open the door for him. And then it killed her bolted the doors and snuck out through that window door right so so that's all happened 
And then, oh no, no, while he, I think while he's in the house, he goes into the secret compartment and finds the bayonet. Finds the bayonet and the papers there, steals them, and now he realizes Mrs. Byers is the one who's, who's taken the bayonet. And so it's Mrs. Byers who is the dangerous one who knows about it. And so he goes, he knows that now that he needs to kill her earlier than he had planned to. get all the money. Because yeah, yeah he had already been planning to get all the money. So he had this whole scheme to kill her, but luckily the police had found fingerprints on the windowsill of a man that they didn't recognize, who supposedly had died in the war, this guy, Charles. Charles. But it, so then that's when they realize that it's not Albert, it's Charles, and so they go to arrest him and don't find him in his apartment. And they also find the doctor, the doctor has been like stealthily prowling around the alleyway because he's worried about Mrs. Byers. So all along the doctor is a good guy. Right. Right. And so they break into the house and basically save Mrs. Byers right in time. But the inspector, Franklin, says that he'd hit, he'd tried to, Charles had had the bayonet against Mrs. Byers' throat. And so he had just taken immediate action and hit Charles over the head with a wash basin or something. A washboard, I think. Washboard. And so in the process, it also hit Mrs. Byers. She'd taken part of, part of the hit. And so that's why she had, well, that's what the explosion was, was her head exploding from pain okay smoke to the washboard so i think that's the whole that's the whole story right i think we were actually pretty close in, in guessing certain elements of that like yeah. we guessed that like she i guess maybe not i was gonna say we guessed the part where somebody was in the room and then like freaked alice out yeah i we thought that she ran outside and they killed her but she yeah. was dragged outside and they no her. i i had suggested she was dragged out as well and I then what was the other thing we, we thought of? I don't remember. I don't know. Here's here's why. How I, did the cat get in the secret door? No, it was it was let in. It didn't remember. Jesse opened the door to Arthur, and so probably let the cat in at the same time. No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So here's I want to get to my gripes. So this is not a whodunit story. There was no clues whatsoever in the book that would suggest that Charles it's Charles and not Albert. Like there's no way. You would have to come up with it, like... You have to fabricate it. You have to fabricate it, which in, in whodunit stories, you're not supposed to have to make anything up. All the clues are supposed to be there for you. Is it, uh, it's tough, because it's still a good story. Like, I think it's a great story, but I don't think it's something, like, you shouldn't have to make up that much to be able to guess it. Like, there's no way that we could have known... Maybe if they had given you some, like, you needed like to... if they said there were some pictures of Arthur and this dude around the house or something. Right. Yeah. Hinted. Like, they yeah. wouldn't even have to say. They just, like, had exactly. Exactly. Some kind of hinting to who Arthur is to make you question that. There right. had to be of something. And there was something else that I was... Oh, the fact, like, they, she basically says my husband was the only one that knows about this compartment, and he's dead, and so I'm the only one who knows about this compartment. And so there's no way for us, like, there's no hints that anyone else, how does Al, how does the nephew, so first of all, they say that the nephew, she hasn't seen her nephew in seven, more than seven years, and so she couldn't possibly know what he looked like, which I think is ridiculous, but maybe not. But then two, if you, if, how does he know about, like, how would he know about the secret compartment? I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like lost. We're led to assume that no one knows about it. Although someone must know about it since the bayonet's not there. I guess we're just supposed to like know that she's rich and assume that someone's after her money. Maybe that's what we're supposed to have guessed. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's what you're supposed to clue into, that the motive was money. But even if you had done that, you would have guessed Arthur. 
Yeah, you're right. We never would have guessed Charles. We might have guessed Arthur if we had. If we had if we like had you were, you money. were introduced to the character who who murdered, like in the solution. You're right. You're right. So that's how you would normally do it. Is you would have had to been introduced to both characters, like in past stories. If yeah. there, if someone is impersonating someone else, you you eventually get introduced to the person they're impersonating or something. You know, like you're clued into that person exists. I think so. We would have previous... had to be clued into Arthur's best friend in war was this guy Charles or something. Like he would have had to, he would have had to have been introduced at some point. Yeah, I think one of the previous ones we did, there was like, uh, I forget what the story was called, but some, it's a long story. But you in person, <laughs> like you at some point mentioned that there were two criminals. One was like a forger person. The other one was like an impersonator. Sure. Like they mentioned that there was someone who was an impersonator in the book. Okay. I don't remember what and then story that, this And that is. ended up being the answer. Okay. I don't know. Okay, so I guess the main point is I'm mad at this story. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm just a bad guesser. Maybe I'm mad that I didn't guess it. Okay. If you're listening at home, please write in if you think this is a true whodunit. I'm just desensitized to getting it wrong. Oh, Michael's like not mad at all. It's just me. I think we did a good job. I think we did a good job. Yeah, screw it. We definitely would not have guessed that. No, there was no I, way. I no way in hell we were guessing that. Oh, well. Um, so to everyone listening at home, please let us know if you managed to guess that. If you uh, uh, write in on Instagram, on, on the Instagram post for this story, if you're able to guess it. Uh, if, if you would like to write in and tell me how I'm wrong and this is a whodunit and here's why, um, the email address for this show is TuesdayNightMysteryClub at gmail.com. By the way, the Instagram for this account where you can get updates on po- future podcast episodes and just more mystery content is Tuesday Night Mystery Club on Instagram. And if you would like to support this show and also get bonus content of the show, you can support the show on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And thank you to our current sponsors. I have one with me, Michael Barillo. <laughs> But also, Barb McLean, Debbie Kravis, and Emily Shelton. Thank you all so much for helping to keep this show running and paying my uh, podcast, no, Podbean, my Podbean payments, my fees, my monthly fees. Um, anything else, babe? No, we'll try again. Yeah, try again next time. See y'all, see y'all for Michael and Caitlin trying to solve another mystery. Good night.